perpetuate pandemonium on this July 14th, the 195th day of a year that we're counting as the 2023rd. But today is National Pandemonium Day, which has nothing to do with the black and white animal that is not actually a bear. You'll have to wait until March 16th for National Panda Day, which I hope will be less chaotic than this one. I'm Sean Tubbs, and with training, you can be too. In today's edition, the Virginia Department of Elections has published the official list of candidates for this year's General Assembly races. A project to build a pedestrian bridge over the Rivanna River does not make the cut for the latest round of federal funds. And the region's transportation body wants your input on a survey about transportation priorities for the next long-range plan. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, Camp Albemarle has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every fourth and fifth grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarleva.org slash donate. There are 116 days until Election Day in Virginia, when all 140 seats in the General Assembly will be on the ballot. The Virginia Department of Elections has released the full list of who qualified through primaries, conventions, or simply by being the only person to show up. Statewide, there are only five out of 40 uncontested races in the Senate, according to data compiled by the Virginia Public Access Project. That's the lowest number since they began tracking elections in 1999. One of those uncontested races is for Senate District 10, where Republican John McGuire was selected in a convention this spring. McGuire has been in the House of Delegates since being elected in 2017. District 10 fully covers the counties of Amelia, Appomattox, Buckingham, Cumberland, Fluvanna, Goochland, Hanover, and Powhatan. The district also covers the eastern half of Louisa County and the northwest portion of Prince Edward. McGuire has so far raised $358,056 in the race. In Senate District 11, Democrat Cree Deeds faces Republican Philip Hamilton. Deeds survived a primary challenge from Delegate Sally Hudson with 50.87% of the vote, or a difference of 465 votes. Deeds spent more than a million dollars during that campaign. Hamilton has raised $2,350 so far this year. District 11 covers all of Albemarle County, Charlottesville, Amherst County, and Nelson County, as well as the western half of Louisa County. Moving over to the House of Delegates, where 34 of the 100 seats are uncontested. That's a third for those who like fractions. One of the uncontested seats is House District 54, which covers the city of Charlottesville and urbanized Albemarle County. Katrina Carlson placed first in a three-way race with a plurality of the vote, or 47.32%. 
She's currently the chair of the Albemarle School Board and a deputy city attorney in Charlottesville. Carlson raised $172,976 in the race and spent $155,418 in the primary. House District 55 covers the rest of Albemarle County and parts of both Louisa County and Nelson County. There are also 19 registered voters in Fluvanna County near Scottsville in that district. Democrat Amy Lawfer and Republican Steve Harvey are on the ballot. Lawfer won nearly 70% of the vote in the primary. The former member of the Charlottesville School Board raised $317,169 and spent about $227,536 in the Democratic contest for the ballot. Harvey entered the race at the last minute. In 2019, he challenged Democrat Ann Malik for the Whitehall seat on the Albemarle Board of Supervisors and got 43.17% of the vote. He had not raised any funds prior to the June 8th deadline for the most recent campaign finance reporting period. House District 56 is another election that is uncontested, and former 5th District Congressman Tom Garrett is the Republican, and the only person on the ballot. He was selected in a convention over two other candidates. District 56 covers Appomattox, Buckingham, and Cumberland counties, as well as parts of Fluvanna, Goochland, and Prince Edward counties. A proposal to construct a bridge across the Rivanna River to connect Pantops and the Woolen Mills has lost out in its second attempt at funding. Here is Charlottesville Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg at the July 11 meeting of that body. We did not get the raised grant for preliminary engineering for the Rivanna River pedestrian bridge. RAISE stands for Rebuilding American Infrastructure with Sustainability and Equity, and there were 162 awards made in late June across the United States, totaling $2.2 billion. The Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission has been leading efforts to move the Rivanna Bridge project forward. Earlier this year, the project did not score high enough in the smart scale process used by the Virginia Department of Transportation to qualify for funding. Several projects in Virginia were funded through this cycle of the RAISE program. They are the Accomatic Northampton Planning District Commission will receive $23.25 million to convert the abandoned Bay Coast Railroad to a 10-foot shared use path between the town of Nassau and the town of Olney. The city of Harrisonburg will receive $14.4 million for a streetscape and mobility transformation project that will convert one lane of US-11 to a two-way separated bicycle facility. Chesterfield County will receive $3.6 million for planning for the Hopkins Interchange and Road Diet. This will pay for preliminary feasibility studies, environmental documentation, 60% construction documents, and public engagement work. And finally, the town of Herndon will receive $720,000 to help with their work on their 2050 comprehensive plan. Last year, Albemarle County received a $2 million raise grant for planning for a trail between the Blue Ridge Tunnel to Charlottesville via Crozet. According to County Spokesperson Abby Stumpf, staff is working to finalize the grant agreement with the Federal Highway Administration this quarter and hopes to be able to release a request for proposal for consultants later on in this quarter. Now, Stolzenberg had made his comments during the period of time when commissioners report from committees that they're on. Commissioner Hosea Mitchell had nothing to report, which meant no public update from the closed-door Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee think that's how they want it. 
Bill Palmer, the ex-officio representative from the University of Virginia, was not present at the meeting. That meant no report at all from the University of Virginia, which is the biggest driver of land use issues in the city of Charlottesville and Albemarle County. However, you've got Charlottesville community engagement stories to keep you informed. There are links to three recent ones from the past six weeks in the newsletter. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Architectural firm Design Develop wants you to know about a service that's aimed at the development community that really should be known to the wider public, 3D point cloud scanning. That's a technique that uses specialized equipment, such as 3D scanner systems, to gather a large amount of data points that represent the surface of a scanned object, scene, or building. The applications of 3D point cloud scanning are extensive and cover various fields, including architecture, construction, cultural heritage preservation, virtual reality, industrial design, manufacturing, and more. These applications require accurate 3D spatial information, and Design Develop's workflow provides precise and comprehensive results all while being more cost-effective than traditional methods. Design Develop has expertise in this workflow for their own needs and now has a dedicated team offering this service in the Charlottesville and Albemarle area. If you're involved in the real estate, design, or construction industry, feel free to contact them for more information or a free quote. Visit their website for an introductory video that captures the 3D point cloud scanning of the downtown transit center and a booklet that will explain more. Thank you to Design Develop for being a Patreon supporter at the $25 a month level. One more segment today. Now, how do transportation projects get selected? That question covers one of the major themes of reporting here at Charlottesville Community Engagement as I seek to help more people understand how they decide what happens. Who are they? Is it us? Let's start with one key document. The U.S. Department of Transportation requires localities to have a document called the Long Range Transportation Plan to help prepare to meet the needs for the future population of an area. Here is Sandy Shackelford. She's the Director of Planning and Transportation for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. The purpose of the plan is to consider the system-wide needs for improvement across all modes of the service transportation system. These include bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure improvements, transit improvements, and roadways. As part of this work, Shackelford organizes an entity called the Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization that's made up of elected officials who make the local decisions. There was a webinar held on June 20th that's worth reviewing. As of this morning, only nine people had done so. Let's get that number up. The federal government wants areas to plan for 20 years into the future, but the TJPDC takes a longer view. As a region, we have chosen to use a planning horizon of 25 years when considering future roadway operations and conditions. For the Charlottesville-Albemarle MPO, the next target year is 27 years away, and the name for the plan is thus called... Moving toward 2050. A primary reason for the long-range transportation plan is to give the federal government a sense of what regional priorities are. As part of identifying our regional priority projects, we'll use the plan to answer questions about how we can improve general access to community destinations and jobs, how to improve safety for users of all travel modes, and how to better connect our bicycle and pedestrian networks. To receive federal funding, a project must be in the long-range transportation plan. That includes projects that go through the Virginia Department of Transportation's smart-scale process. 
There are a lot of valuable improvements we could be making, but this process gives us the opportunity to have a regional discussion about what types of projects would have the most benefit. The development of the next long-range transportation plan will include public engagement. That work has already begun. We began public engagement in February by meeting with several stakeholder groups that represented different segments of our community to discuss the draft goals and objectives language that was initially developed. The engagement is now widening out to a larger group, and the TJPDC is looking for input through a survey. Go fill that survey out, and do take a look at the whole video to learn more about that process. I'm serious. It was at 9 this morning. I want it at 100 by Monday, people. Or not. But that is the end of episode number 556. It would appear this newsletter is now a toddler, now that we're past the three-year mark. The pandemonium in my own life is soon going to settle down, showing the way to a much more orderly turn of events. But as a one-person operation, there are often going to be times I'm just not ready to publish something. And how will you know when that's coming? One good way to keep up is with my notes page on Substack. Substack is always putting out new ways to get more people reading and sharing, and I recommend the app if you've not tried it out already. Five people this week became paid subscribers through Substack, which helps me move forward with being able to do the work and to imagine doing it for another three years. If you sign up through Substack, Ting will match your initial payment. You may know by now that if you sign up for Ting at this link and enter the promo code community, you're going to get free installation a second month for free installation. Goodbye. See you on Monday with another episode. The week ahead is next. Bye. <laughs>